Okay, <laughs> let's talk about some inyanim about Hanukkah. Hanukkah. So, Hanukkah, of course, the sugya of Hanukkah is Masech Shabbos, which is, I don't want to talk about it tonight, but that's one of the great enigmas, is why in Mishnayis there's no Masech to Hanukkah. Right, famous old question that mm-hmm. so many answers given to the question because every Yom Tov has the Masechta right. right the Masechta Rosh Hashanah and there's Yom Kippur and for Purim you have Megillah and for Pesach you have Pesach so Hanukkah is the only one that doesn't have a Masechta which is odd and again, different answers given to it um, there's uh, I'll, I'll just mention one which is perhaps an uncommon one there's a great goan his name is Reuven Margolis who lived in this generation he passed away probably some 50-60 years ago tremendous genius he had a hero many farm. His contention is the reason why Rabbi Huda Nasi did not put in a Masechta Hanukkah was because it was dangerous. Because it was right, Rabbi Huda Nasi lives right after the destruction of the second Besam Mikdash, which was by the Romans. Um, and they were the ones who followed the Greeks. The story of Hanukkah is a rebellion against the, against the government. So that's all Rabbi Huda Nasi needed is to tell the Romans, you know, if you guys, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> step out of line, we rebel against the government. And he says it was a, that would be a terrible thing for him to write. And if you remember, Rabbi Huda Nasi was the first one who had a half-decent relationship with the Romans because he had his uh, Roman right. emperor friend. But even if you're good friends with the Romans, if he says something wrong to them, I mean, you could end up a head shorter very quickly. <laughs> so um, that's his, that's, that's Rabbi Margolius' contention, that Rabbi Nasi really, because Sakharis Nefashos couldn't write such a Masechta. There's other answers given, but that's just an interesting one that I was, I was discussing today with Tebacham and Yeshiva. Be that as it may, so where is the Gemara of Hanukkah? So it's in, in Masechta Shabbos, where it's talking about near Shabbos. So the, the Mishnah is talking about you know, the dinam of, of uh, the nearest Shabbos. So there the Gemara spends a page or two, a daf or two, on the sugya of Hanukkah. So here we have, my Hanukkah. What's Hanukkah all about? Tanu Rabbanu, the rabbis taught, Bechofi b'kislev yoimid ha-Hanukkah tamnei inun On the 25th of Kislev, there are eight days of Hanukkah. Delele mispad behind or delele sanis behind. One may not make a eulogy, one may not fast on these days, because they have a, you know, somewhat of a chag, of a, of a yamta quality to them. And what caused it? When the Yivanim, the Greeks, came into the Heichel, into the Besamikdash, they defiled, they brought tuma, impurity, to all of the oils in the Heichel. When the kings of the house of Chashmunoim were able to overpower them and be victorious over them, they searched, and they found only one jug of oil, which was laying there with the seal of the Kayin Gadol, indicating that this was not defiled. It only had enough to light one day. A miracle happened. They were able to um, have that one jug, one flask of oil, light for eight days. One year later, these, these days were um, established. They were made on special days. We say halal, we say alanisim, and we thank Hashem for the miracles. That is the crux of the story of Hanukkah and four lines in Gemara of what it's all about. Now, um, and there's so many angles and details here, but let, let's focus on one point, which is, there seems to be a very big deal about the fact that the Greeks defiled the oil. Um, and that, and there was no oil, that was the big deal. And, and when we were able to get in there, we found, we found that one flask of oil that had the seal of the Kohen Gadol. So it's all about oil. And you know, Hanukkah is, you know, that's the umptive of oil, and we light the manure with oil, and 
we have foods, uh, oil, the, whether it's latkes or the um, Israel of uh, Ganayot, it's uh, not very good for those um, who, are, who have to wash their weight. That's why Greek oil is one of the best also. Is it? Is it? Right, so um, the, I've heard the, the boys in yeshiva were saying that, you know, the yeshiva makes special latkes and, and donuts, but they said that you're not yoitza. The, the concept of Dominic Hanukkah by eating the yeshiva donuts and yeshiva latkes. And I asked them, why not? They said, because though the oil in yeshiva's donuts, if you stick in a wick, it will last eight days without a nest. <laughs> <laughs> there wouldn't be any miracles. So then what's, what's, how's it a minute? Now, but be, be that as it may, the, the, the obvious question is, what's the business with the oil? What, what did the Greeks have with the oil? It, you read the Gemara, it's evident that they had this thing. They wanted to defile the oil. It was as if there was some type of deeper battle going on here. Um, that they were vitimu kalashmanabe. If they want, they could have just broke all the all the oil. You know, there are jugs, glass jugs. You break them. There's no more oil. But it doesn't say they didn't break it. They didn't throw it out. They didn't. They defiled it. They touched it. So, in, in every in every story, there's what's going on. What's the, what's the depth of what's going on? And why was that such a why is that such an integral part of the, of the Nesach Hanukkah? You notice, it doesn't say anything else. Anything else that happened in the Beis HaMikdash, anything. It just talks about one thing, v'timu kalashmanah behechol. It's as if they had orders from headquarters. Get into the hechol, make sure to defile any oil you find. Wasn't wasn't that the, the crux of what the Greeks wanted? They they didn't want to kill the Jewish people. They just uh, wanted the Jews to leave their religion. Oh, uh, oh. Uh. So, so so the answer was, is that so, so so it has to do with religion and religion uh, itself somehow this is expressed with oil and this what is oil? And we look through the Gemara, we find something unique about oil. Oil is connected to Chachma, to wisdom. An interesting Gemara, here it's from Gemara Menachas, I'm skipping the line. Um, it says, Shem and is a Chachma, oil alludes to wisdom. Gemara says in Menachas, It brings a Pasuk from Shmuel, Vayishlach Yoyov Tekoa. Yoyov sent to Tekoa. Someone's alarm is going off. Vayikach Misham Isha Chachama. Yoav, which was a, uh, a general for David HaMelech, mm-hmm. calls for a wise woman from the city of Tekoa, and she comes and she's able to tell David HaMelech a mashal, which, which uh, brings out what Yoav, whatever Yoav wanted in that particular story. So the Gemara says, Mashna Tekoa. Why is it important to note? The Pasuk says he, he was looking for a woman from Tekoa. Why Tekoa? Says the Gemara, Am Rabbi Yechanan, Mm-hmm. Tekoa was the place where they had a tremendous amount of olives and olive oil. So there's so much. So therefore, there was wisdom there. So shemen, which is oil, um, is connected with chachma, with wisdom. And kabbalistically, definitely, shemen is connected with chachma. So wisdom. Wisdom is, when we think about wisdom, there's the holiest wisdom, and that's the wisdom of the Torah. The Torah that we have is Hashem's wisdom. Uh, Zer says, comes forth from Hashem's chachma, Hashem's wisdom, and that's wisdom of holiness. However, there are two ways to study Torah. There is a pure way to study Torah, and there's an impure way to study Torah. The pure way of studying Torah is recognizing that this is Hashem's Torah, and studying it with the respect and with the humility um, of that recognition that this is Hashem's Torah. Now, then there's just studying it because it's interesting. It's interesting, it's fascinating, it's wise. And you can study Torah just like Lahavdil, any other science in the world, and just see the beauty and the wisdom of this science, the science of the Torah. Now, the Greeks loved wisdom. 
the Greeks were great philosophers. Some of the greatest world philosophers are from the Greeks. And the Greeks love Torah. Um, we have the whole story of the Greeks who were the, one, who were the ones who initially asked for the Torah to be translated into the 70 languages. Uh, the Greeks are really descendants from Alexander the Great, Alexander Macedonian, and he loved the wisdom of Torah. They had an issue with the holiness of the Torah. They had an issue, as you were saying, with the religious aspect of the Torah. They said, study it, but study it like any science. We're into the sciences, right? They're the great philosophers and scientists of the time. So what they essentially were trying to do is to defile the purity of the divine wisdom. And this is really what's going on with the defiled oil. They said, don't get rid of the oil. Don't go into the wisdom of the Jewish people. The wisdom of the Jewish people is great. They have tremendous hachamim, and we'll discuss it, and we'll study it, we'll learn it, we'll have it translated, we'll have the Torah in Greek, which is what they actually did. But the religious aspects, the fact that it's Hashem's Torah, and it's holy, and we study you with deference, and we say, well, if I don't understand it, that's my problem, the Torah is holy, whether I understand it or not. That whole, the whole religious part, the holiness of the Torah, that's what they took issue with. And it's interesting that that is exactly alluded to in the Hebrew name for the Greeks is the Yavanim, a Yavan. The, the actual word Yavan really um, illustrates the whole story is in the word. And how is that? What does the word Yavin mean in Hebrew? So here, there's a Pasuk in Tehillim. Tehillim chapter 40, Pasuk Gimel. Vayalini mibor sha'on. David Melech says, Hashem... Uh, picked me up from the from the stormy pit. Mitit hayavin. Mitit hayavin is the um, like a lame that you sink in, uh, like a, like a quicksand type um, of a, a lame or cement that you sink in. It's not lame. What's the word for lime? Lime. Lime. Is it lime? Yeah, that, lime. That, that one sinks in. That's titayavin. Now, what is that? If you think about it, that lime or cement, whatever it is, is a mixture of water with dirt, right? Water is, in, throughout the Gemara, is always in Mayim Ella Torah. Water is, is compared to Torah. We just talked about that last week also, right. that water is made to Torah. But you mix the Torah with dirt, that's mixing the purity, the holiness of Torah with the impurity of the secular way of, of looking at it, the secular way of thinking about Torah, which is, you know, it's, it's nice ideas, nice wisdoms. If I, if I like it, I'll take it. If not, not like any science in the world. Then it becomes something that one can sink into. And one can go lower and lower because when, when our Torah is defiled, then everything follows suit. But when one is only, um, and when all defiles, so to speak, their action. So I, I do, you know, a person might do wrong things. As long as the mind is clear, as long as the Torah that one studies is holy, ultimately he'll be fine. But when one, when one defiles their thinking, and instead of thinking in a godly way, in a holy way, in a Torah way, it becomes a secular way, a secularized Torah, then the descent is very quick, step by step. Let's think about the word Yavon. Think about the picture of the letters. The Yud, then a Vav, and then a Langernon. The yud means defiling the chachma, that wisdom. Then it goes. Then it got, one goes lower, and that's the vav and the langernon. Those three letters of the Hebrew alphabet are three letters that start with a little bit and then go further and go further. And that's what the yivanim were doing. The yivanim were they wanted to defile the deepest, holiest part of who we are, and that's our appreciation of Torah, our, our appreciation of the holiness of the Torah. And by defiling that yud, 
which is that beginning, that chachma, the person's mind, so it brings the person lower and lower. And that is the word yavin, again, which is that line in which one sinks, and it's expressed in the actual picture of the letters of the yud, vav, and nun, which represent being schlepped further and further into this quagmire, into this, into this pit of lack of holiness, lack of purity. And that's why, in a very physical sense, their battle was to defile the oil in the Beis HaMikdash. Again, not destroy the oil, not ruin, ruin the oil, but to defile it. That our Kedusha should be defiled by a secular approach of pulling out the holiness of it, just leaving it as something uh, interesting. And that's why in the Va'al HaNisim, when we talk about what exactly they wanted, uh, wanted, to, um, they wanted from us, what do we say at the end in the, in the uh, bold letters? Notice, it doesn't say Lashkicham HaTorah. It doesn't say they wanted us to forget the Torah. Torah They wanted us to forget that it's Hashem's Torah. Mm-hmm. Study as much Torah as you want. Take the, take the divinity out of it. And then, They said, don't do those mitzvahs that you're just doing because Hashem commanded. Do the ones that make sense. No, there's a lot of mitzvahs that make a lot of sense. They're very, you know, they're very, they're uh, good. It's good to have a nice Shabbos time, family time together. There's a lot of stuff that, that is very rational, very beautiful. But the chukei ritzonecha, those things that we just do, because Hashem said, that's the divinity. That's what bothered them, and that's where their battle was at. And again, that's why their battle was with the oil and defiling the oil. That's why they're called yavan, which is that lime that we sink into it by defiling the kedusha of the Torah, and therefore going from step to step uh, lower and lower away from holiness. That is one point about the yavanim and their battle against the klal yisrael at the time. Um, let's let's look at another point. Tanur Rabbanon, from the same Gemara, same piece of Gemara. Um, again, this is Shabbos, Chafala, Fomad Beis. Tanur Rabbanon, the rabbis taught, Mitzvah Hanukkah, Ner Ishu Beis. The Mitzvah of Hanukkah is that every person should really light one candle for the home. So really, the way the, uh, the initial Chiyav was, every home had one candle. And that's what you did every night of Hanukkah, right? One candle per house, every night of Hanukkah. That's why you know one there, because there's no near? So yeah, yep. Hamahadrin. Says those who are mahadir, how do you say mahadir? You want to beautify the mitzvah? Ner l'chal echad v'echad, a candle for everyone. So you got a few people in the house, whatever, each one lights a candle. Three people lived there, you did three candles. And that was it, for every night of Hanukkah, three candles. Vamahadrin min hamahadrin, those who want to beautify, you know, the, the top, the top hechsher. So then, each night you change. How do you go? So you have the two, the famous two approaches. Beshamay Omrim Yom Rishon Madlik Shmona. Beshamay said you start with a bang. First night eight candles. Mikan ve'elech poches v'holech. And then you diminish night by night. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Beshilal Omrim Beshilal say Yom Rishon Madlik Echos. The first night you light one. Mikan ve'elech mosif v'holech. From then you continue. Right? One. You add two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's Beshilal. Of course. The halacha is like Beis Hillel, which is always, almost always the halacha is like Beis Hillel. In fact, the, the actual name Hanukkah, one of the hints in the name Hanukkah is that it stands for Rosh Hashanah's Ches Neiros, the halacha ke Beis Hillel. That there's eight candles and the halacha is Beis Hillel that were Moisif HaHelech. We add every night an additional candle, which is just a beautiful Hanukkah lesson. The concept of a yid is always adding. What was good enough for yesterday is not enough. A yid pushes forward, higher, better. A yid grows, right? But be that as it may, we have here a very interesting thing. The Gemara told us the basic halacha and said a way to beautify it, and then mahadrin minha mahadrin. What's highly unusual here is that all of Kali Yisrael does mahadrin minha mahadrin. 
Right? You're not going to find anywhere someone lighting on the third night of Hanukkah one candle for the house. Although, halachically, that, that's fine. That, that's the mitzvah. Now, when it comes to most mitzvahs, we have, we do it, and then you have people who do it behidr, and then behidr minahidr. When it comes to Hanukkah, it's amazing to see that this mitzvah, which is obviously only a rabbinic mitzvah, nevertheless, is something that Klai Yisrael adopted, and adopted it, everyone does it the best way possible. Why? Is there any other mitzvahs like that? I don't know. That, that everyone, that the Gemara, that the Halacha says there's a way and there's hitter and there's hitter and a hitter. And here, everyone does a hitter. Yeah, now, there are those that say that the, uh, that the Judaic stores are behind us. Right. <laughs> they, they feel that everyone should be Mahadr, Mina Mahadr. You might want to say, first off, might want to say that it's not so hard to do this, right? What's mm, the big deal? You expensive. might have an extra candle. But, there's whole, you know, we're talking of these times, people have done the Agel. Right. Right? It wasn't always In those that days. No, nope. they had to decide between Hanukkah and Hanukkah or Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Right. Or Hanukkah. Did you have questions about it? Right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a that's a big deal. Think, right. If you right. think about that. So, what might be the answer to this question? So, we'll we'll answer the question based on a very interesting Pnei Yehoshua on the on the Gemara. Um, Pnei Yehoshua is a uh, commentator on the Gemara. Many 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 mesachtes. He lived some three hundred years ago. I think he was the Rav of Lvov, if I'm not mistaken. I think his name is Rav Yeshua Folk. Tremendous going, tremendous Um In fact, um, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that it was the yard site of the Magid of Mezrich, who was the successor to the Baal Shem Tov, who was a partner, a study partner, a Chavrusa, the Pnei Yehoshua. Yeshua was this tremendous going. And he has a Pirush and the Gemara Masech, the Shabbos, and he writes the following. We'll read it inside. He says, L'chayre yesh letmaya. It says, uh, seemingly, I want to ask, he says, it's a wonder here. Why this whole nest have to happen? Famous question. Question of the Pnei Yeshua, others ask it as well, which is, there is a basic rule when it comes to the Beis HaMikdash, when it comes to Karbonos, when it comes to any year in the Beis HaMikdash, that, that requires purity. If the community of Klal Yisrael is Tommy, then the din is Tumah Hutra B'tzibur, the Tumah becomes permissible. Or Hudcha B'tzibur, at least it's pushed off. The fact is, if, if, if the majority of Klai Yisrael is Tommy, you bring a carbon, whatever one's Tommy. So what was the big deal? Pnei Yeshua is asking, the, 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 the shaman was Tommy, it was defiled by the Greeks, so oh, we needed nace. Why do you need a nace? Use impure oil. That's fine. That's the question that the Pnei Yehoshua poses on that Gemara. And of course, there's more than one answer given to this question. But let's see how he, how he deals with it. Lakach Nira. He says, it would seem to me. That Hashem wanted to show his love for Klai Yisrael. Knows there are times that, you know, you can get away with it. You can do it another way. Hashem wanted to show his chiba, his love for Klai Yisrael. He says, Being that Hashem made this nace, this tremendous miracle to occur, right? Because they, they were able to be victorious over the Greeks. And the main story, That they were redeemed, the full redemption, From under the, uh, the, the domain of the kingdom of the wicked Greeks. And the Greeks were telling the Jews all types of terrible things. Kiswa Karen Hashoyer. They said, write it even on the horns of your oxen. They wanted the Eden to renounce their relationship to Hashem. And they, they decreed, met different types of decrees that to, for the Eden to go against the ways of Torah. 
Now that they were redeemed from the, from the oppressors of the Greeks, and the tremendous miracle was made for them, that they were able to be victorious over their enemies, that's why Hashem wanted to make this nace with the candles, to show witness, like to bear testimony, that the Shechina, the Divine Presence, is amongst the Jewish people, like we find that the Menorah in general served as a symbol for the Divine Love for the Jewish people. Because we have the westernmost light of the Menorah, candle of the Menorah, that always lit. And that was also, the Gemara says, a sign of the Chiba of Hashem, that Hashem um, chooses to rest amongst Klal Yisrael. So, Lakach, Naselem, Nes, Bazeha, Inyan, Mamish. And that's why this Nes was done. Ba'isan Ayyamim in those days, Shayu Eisur Ratzin. It was a time that Hashem was showing his, his, how much he desires the Jewish people. Lohidia, Shechazru, Lechibasan, Harishayna. But Hashem was showing that yes, they've returned to their state of love, that Hashem was showing His love for them, came nearly nothing, so it seems to me, says the Pnei Yehoshua. So in very short, his question was, why do we need the nest? We, you know, halachically, it was okay without the nest. The answer is that Hashem wanted to make this nest to show His chiba, to show His love for the Jewish people. So yeah, How do you do that? By, by making this tremendous nest of the candle lighting for eight days. I don't get it. You okay. got to get that? Yeah. What's the when Hashem shows something supernatural that He doesn't have to do, and that halachically we're able to get by and do the mitzvah, oh, you with know, but yes, the nes of Hanukkah, that Hashem shows a tremendous oh, nes for Klal Yisrael. That's what the Pnei Yeshua says. Once the Pnei Yeshua explained to us that the whole nes of Hanukkah was an expression of divine love for the Jewish people. Even though we didn't really, he did. We didn't. We didn't really need it, because that was his kasha. His kasha. We didn't really need it. We could light impure oil, but Hashem says, "I know you don't need it, but I want to show how much I love you." So therefore, in kind, that's how we treat the mitzvah of Hanukkah as well. That even though halachically we can get away with a lesser way, but mahadrin mina mahadrin. You know, there's a concept of mida keneged mida, of a reciprocal relationship. Right, the pasuk says in Mishlei, "Kemayim haponim leponim kain leva adam adam." Right, they're just like face. Uh, a water reflects a face, so heart reflects a heart. There's a reciprocal reciprocity, right? So, if Hashem created the whole nace of Hanukkah in such a way that though halachically it wasn't really necessary, but nevertheless He wanted to go the extra mile to show His great love for us. So therefore, it became that in this mitzvah, we do exactly the same towards Hashem. We want to show, yes, I know, luckily, I don't have to. I know there's a heter, I know there's another heter, but I want to do mahadrin mina mahadrin. If there's a way to do this mitzvah better, I want to do it better. Because this mitzvah, more than any other, is an expression of our love for Hashem as, a, as, as um, reciprocating His expression of love for us, doing this ness, even though it wasn't fully necessary. That's a vart. Why Dafka and Hanukkah we have the Indian of Mahadrin Min Hamahadra. Good? No. No. I'm not going to hold the show up. Okay. I appreciate that just because we have two minutes left and then we'll talk, then we'll talk afterward. I just wanted to touch very quickly one more line on the bottom and that is from the Hanir Salalu that we sing and we say Lahaydes, Lahalil, we we thank Hashem, we praise Hashem, Lashim Chagod for your great name, Al Nisecha for your miracles, Val Niflo Secha for your wonders, Val Yeshua Secha, which are your... 
Sal- salvations. So we say that in the in the Lolo. In fact, we yeah. say it twice throughout the Nehirus Lolo. The simple question is, and again, with two minutes left for us, what are these three things? Miracles, wonders, and salvations. Isn't that three words that sort of say the same thing that Hashem helped us? What's a miracle? What's a wonder? And what's a salvation? And why are we making a point of mentioning all three as if it's three separate stories or three separate events? And again, so to make a, a long idea short, so it goes the following. That yes, they are three different steps. There is miracles. What's a miracle? They're typically, a miracle is when something great happens. It's like an amazing thing. But... It's higher than nature. It's not natural. It's not crazy. Like, for example, the story of the battle. When the Jews, the Jews battled the Yavonim, as we say in the Dominic, is Rabim Biyad Ma'atim. They were many and we were few. They were seasoned soldiers and we were a bunch of farmers. And we, we beat them. That's a miracle, right? It is a miracle. Then, <coughs> excuse me. Then there is, we come to the base of and we light the menorah and last, that jug of oil lasts for eight days. What's the difference between these two miracles? Let's think for a moment. They're both miracles. There's the miracle that happened on the battlefield of the Rabbim Miyad Matim, the many in the hands of few, and there's a miracle that happened on the base of Mikdash when that flask of oil lasted for eight days. What's the difference? Right? Want to say something? That's against nature for something that was. Exactly. The one about on the battlefield is a miracle, but it's not necessarily supernatural. Um. Knows someone standing there on the side would say, "Well, you know, they fought really, really well." I mean, six yes, day, six day war, right, whatever. right, the great six day war of Israel, whatever. Like everyone says, that's crazy. That's crazy, but you know, they must have really been. They were probably really tired and they were really fresh, and somehow the wind went the right direction. It's a statistical miracle. No, nobody could have predicted that to happen. But at the end of the day, okay, you know, they fought really well and really quick, and they were really good, and okay, it was amazing. Then certain things happen that just there's no explanation. Naturally, you can't explain it because there's X amount of oil. That then, then, then it's niflos. Niflos, is, it's a wonder. It's beyond. There's no way to explain this. So nais means it's miraculous because it's, you know, statistically impossible. But wondrous means there's no way of explaining it. It's supernatural, right? And then there is a Yeshua. What's a Yeshua? A salvation. A salvation is when it's not miraculous at all. It can go this way, and can go that way, and it went the right way, right? For example, um, the very first battle of the Chashmanoim, the very first battle was in the city of Modin, right? When, they, when the, the Chashmanoim got up, and there was this uh, uh, Greek garrison, and they got up, and they, 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 they beat them. That it wasn't Rabin Biyad it wasn't. It was just, you know, it could have went this way. And whenever you go into a situation, you can go one way or the other, and there's a Yeshua, and it worked out well, Right? And we thank Hashem for all three types and recognize that everything comes from Hashem. Whether it's a regular Yeshua, that a person needs a Yeshua, right? A person needs a Rafua, and they went to the doctor and they were healed. Baruch Hashem. It wasn't a miracle. It was a Yeshua. We recognize that's a Yad Hashem. And then sometimes there's the Nisim, which are statistical miracles like the, like the Muhammad. That's, for, that's definitely Yad Hashem. And then there's the Niflos, which we have no way of understanding whatsoever. And we recognize that altogether that life really is a, is a, is a, is a, uh, we're all, all, all of these things happen in our lives. Some days, sometimes it's more Yeshua's that just it can go either way and Hashem saves us. Sometimes there's statistical miracles. Sometimes there's wondrous miracles. All of them play themselves out in the Chag of Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is a time when we recognize that everything that happens and all the different ways that Hashem helps us are all Yad Hashem, whether it's a Yeshua, whether it's a Pela, whether it's a Nase, and we thank and we praise Hashem for all of them together.
Scratch, that's beautiful. I couldn't have said any better myself. <laughs>